Good morning, everyone. It is a beautiful day here in Florida. It's a little muggy, but, you know, comes with the territory. So today's topic might get me burned alive upside down, which is totally fine. I am totally okay with being burned alive upside down based on my opinion that men and women are different. So things have gotten so nutty in today's society that you can't even make a statement that men and women are different. And on the extremes, they're very different. Um, are there exceptions? Absolutely. But, you know, I spent almost you know, 25 years coaching large groups of women, large groups of men, different sports teams, <clears throat> and generally speaking, and the video in, in the, in the, in the description is, is, is what inspired this, this talk today. And, and basically on the extremes, like women in general tend to respond better to like a mentorship, more of a teaching type uh, approach to coaching. Whereas most men, and there are exceptions to this, respond more to like harsh, very, um, it's much more harsh and you can be much more um, critical and actually you get a lot out of like digging on digging at people. Whereas women, if you do that, it, it doesn't necessarily work as well. There are exceptions to that, of course. But one of the biggest problems in our society today, I think, in my opinion, and I will get burned alive upside down at the stake. No problem for this is we, instead of celebrating the differences between men and women and what makes men, men, and what makes women, women, is we were trying to basically say there is no difference. And we're trying to get women to act more like men and men to act more like women. And it's, it's an absolute disaster. And so basically in this Instagram video that I shared, it talks about how we treat men with depression, like we would treat a woman with depression. Um, with, you know, giving love and acceptance, it's okay, everything's gonna be all right, you're gonna be, you know, everything's gonna be just fine. When really what men want is to be respected and to have a purpose and to have um, something to do, <laughs> essentially, right? And they give an example of these guys that, that uh, were catatonic in World War II during the Battle of the Blitz, which catatonic basically means that you're in this state of like, you're just kind of like zoned out. Like you're, you're sitting there and you're unresponsive and during the battle of Britain, obviously they were extremely short on manpower, extremely short on you just men in general. And they had these massive fires, you know, and they had no one to man the fire trucks. And so these guys that have been basically in a vegetative state, um, Rommel stay here. Sorry. We have some people here, uh, helping us with cleaning the house and they don't like, they're afraid of dogs and, Rommel was going to go inside the house. But these guys that basically were catatonic and unresponsive all of a sudden got up out of their beds, started manning these fire trucks. And the point was being, if a man has a purpose, if he feels like he has value, he will crawl over broken glass. And, and I've seen that time and time again. And this also goes for education as well. Uh, men and women have a little bit of different learning styles. And, you know, little Johnny will draw a dragon. And, you know, little Susie will draw a flower and the teacher goes, well, Johnny, you, you know, a lot of these places won't let kids draw like uh, dragons or play with swords or pretend, you know, pretend to play with guns. They, they, that's not allowed anymore. Yeah, it's you insane. Know? It's nuts. So it's totally crazy. Hello, everyone. Good morning. To make these little boys act like little girls, 
And, and there's and then people complain that there are no men. Yes, that is correct. It's the darndest thing. Yes, and a lot of the, and a lot of the women burn me up uh, upside down at the stake. Become the men that become the men that they want to be with, and wonder why they can't find one. Did that make sense? Yes, it did. Good morning, David. I've already made the disclaimer that I'm willing to be burned upside down at the stake. Yeah, you make that like every day, Jim. Uh, that I'll, I'm willing to die on the hill that there's a difference between men and women, and yes, that Jim. we should and we should celebrate those differences instead of trying to make them the same. Yes, Jim, I agree. Right there with you on that hill. Good, thank you. Did you watch that Instagram clip? Did you get a chance to? No. It was very good. That's what this whole discussion is based on. Got it. It was basically there was a, you know, during World War II there was these people that were in an asylum. And they were basically canatonic and it was during the blitz. And then when they, uh, the whole city was on fire, these guys have been unresponsive for like five years, basically got up out of bed, started manning the fire trucks. That's remarkable. Yeah. So, you know, you give a man a purpose, you make him feel valued and he'll do amazing things. Yeah. And it's a major problem in our modern society that, um, you know, men feel robbed of purpose, which I'm sure you've already mentioned, but you know, we see this mm -hmm. clinically. And the reality is, and this comes back to something that we talk about a lot, which is that your mindset matters, your uh, thinking matters, how you feel about yourself and your environment and your life matters. All these things are really important. And, you know, one of the things that people do is they just continue soldiering on through life in the society that is teaching them basically how to be dysfunctional. It's driving these dysfunctional patterns of behavior, of interrelational dynamics. We see it in the dating scene and romantic relationships. We see it, see it in family dynamics. We see it in society at large. Simple things like friendships, acquaintances, business relationships. And the problem with this is that it gradually um, wears people down. And one of the most important things that you can do is find people in your life who are actually going to help you create the appropriate relationships with other people that you need which starts with having the appropriate mindset and thinking about those relationships. And that's the difference between, you know, coaching and practicing medicine is that I, and this is part of why I stopped practicing medicine as much as I was. I mean, I used to just do one-on-ones day in and day out morning to night. But the reality is that people didn't need me to doctor them as much as they needed me to help them understand why they were sick in the first place in terms of their relationships, in terms of, how they were functioning in society. You know, I've had more than one person whose labs looked atrocious and I'm quite sure it's because not of anything intrinsic to them, but their job. And I've seen so many people over the years who were very ill and I talked to them about how they feel about their work and they hate it. It isn't aligned with who they are as a person. And this is part of why, you know, the physician suicide rate is so high. People don't realize this, but physicians have a suicide rate that's 1.54 times that of the general public in men, and it's 2.2-fold that of the general public in women. It's also massive drug addiction as well, massive drug addiction issues. Terrible drug addiction amongst doctors, yes. And they're also you know, addicted to things that are not typically thought of as drugs. You, know, you walk into a hospital, the average doctor is obese. Uh, the average doctor is unhealthy. The average doctor looks terrible. They're addicted to their technology and their device, smart devices, just like 
many, many people out there in society. They're very unhealthy people and they have a sick mindset about frankly, what they do. And it's been inculcated in them through their residency training programs, their medical school experiences, and then the practice of medicine itself, which is all about turning the patient into a perpetual customer who comes back time and time and time again. And the system is, is set up to extract the maximum amount of money from them over the course of their life, rather than create healthy, robust individuals who are able to remain so healthy and well that they don't need medical care. And we just, like I said, we see this over and over and over again. It's why I stepped out of that system and started taking care of patients on my own uh, with my own way of doing things and focusing on prevention and focusing on uh, really the kind of care that I always wanted as a patient myself, which centers around how can I be the healthiest, most robust, most resilient version of myself? That's not a very good business model. Um, well, it's, it, it's <laughs> funny, right? We, we joke about that, it, but I, I think it's really, it's not, it's not a good or a bad business model. It's just, people are so unused to it right. that they're ready to go spend thousands of dollars on plastic surgery or thousands of dollars on an executive physical. And I offer an executive physical for the record and it's a great physical, but you know, not everybody can afford it. And a lot of people don't need it. Um, or I shouldn't say they don't need it, but you know, they can get what they need. They have a low, a lot of low hanging fruit they can take care of before they That's need exactly to get into right. that kind of stuff. Exactly. And one of the biggest things I see, I think with the, the, the downfall of men in our society is the glorification of the, of the, the college degree mm. and, and basically telling people that are plumbers that are welders that are tradespeople that that is not a, a good path you know so we've pushed all these people into college into these degrees that really don't have much function you know if you want to be a doctor you want to be a lawyer that sort of thing but a lot of these degrees don't really have any value right whereas we have don't have any kids going into the trades and and so we kind of crap on them the blue collar guys the guys that basically make society run you know, without the guys working the power lines and doing all the phone stuff and the paving the roads, we wouldn't have a functional society. We've, we've kind of pooed, we kind of poo pooed on that and we've glorified, you know, getting in a massive amount of student debt to get a degree that you're going to spend the rest of your life paying off a student loan. And then you're basically put yourself in a situation. You've got a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of student loan debt. And then you're basically the government is buying votes because they're going to they're going to forgive your they're going to forgive your vet, your debt. Vote for me and I'll forgive your debt for you. Um, it's created a, a just a mess, you know, and so that I think that's a big part of taking purpose away from men is is, is basically um, not having respect and valuing these traits, you know. Absolutely. No, I think that's a huge part of it. Um, and, but I also think it's, it's a society has been created where the money flows to people whose labor really doesn't provide any serious value. I mean, there's so many people making money on paper who don't do anything meaningful in society. And I think a lot of men chase those jobs and wind up depressed and empty inside because they know that they're not really providing any value and yeah. it eats away at them until 
it turns into a health problem. Well, you know, I used to do some very high end bodyguard work when I lived in Aspen and it was very well paid. Like I made a lot of money at the time and I should have been a lot smarter about it. I bought too many cars, too many motorcycles, traveled too much, all that stuff when I was in my early twenties. And I got out of it for two reasons. Uh, the most important one is a lot of the things that are coming out in the media now that are finally bubbling to the surface about trafficking and things like that. I saw that firsthand. Um, yeah, so it was bad, really bad. Back Shout in the out late to, 90s. Um, uh, Sound of Freedom movie that's just come out. It's a great, I, great movie. People should go watch it. I saw a lot of that in my late, late, you know, 1920, early 20s. I saw a lot of that stuff and it was it was horrifying. So I got out of that really quickly. And the other reason I got out of it is I felt like I had no purpose whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're driving around protecting people that have, you know, tons and tons of money. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a big part of the, the problem with the industry at the time is there was some people, some billionaires that hired people to kidnap their kids so they could collect the insurance money on them. And a bunch of people ended up getting killed because of it. And so I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I'm making a ton of money, but I don't feel like I'm actually providing any value to anyone. And I worked, you know, I worked in Aspen at a five-star hotel and I was making obscene amounts of money, obscene, but I didn't feel like I was helping anyone. And that's when I transitioned back in over to, uh, you know, being a strength and conditioning coach uh, where I didn't make as much money, but at least I felt like I was making a difference in people's lives. And that's a, there's, there's a huge value in that beyond dollars, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it comes back to it's because it spills over. We feel a stress when we don't feel like we have a purpose, like we have something that we're like, we're like, we're not being fulfilled by our, our work. And as we feel that stress, we seek to numb that pain or alleviate that stress. And that's where men fall into bad habits. And that's why that and the availability of bad habits in our society. I mean, if you think about, Mm -hmm. you know, like cigarettes, you know, several generations ago were much less available. So we didn't have a huge smoking problem. Then the cigarette became industrialized and very commoditized. And then it became extremely widespread. And then of course people figured out it was really bad for them as they're doing. Well, and it used to be promoted technology and wireless technology now. It used yeah, to be sure. promoted as healthy by doctors. You know, Isn't doctors, that amazing? You know, that's cigarette one reason smoking why, yeah. was great stress management. Right. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, trusting doctors blindly is very unwise. They've endorsed some of the worst product ideas in the history of the world. Yep. And they're very wrong about a lot of the products that they're recommending right now without naming any specific products. Well, and the thing is, too, with, with our society, what do you do when you have hundreds of thousands of men that don't have a family they don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get them hooked on weed and porn, you know, and, th- and that's basically it. You've got tens of thousands of men that sit in their basements all day, game, watch pornography and smoke weed. And and that's basically we've got this whole lost generation of men that are in their parents basements. And it's uh, it's not good. No, I agree. I agree. And And the key to breaking out of that, if you are watching this and you're stuck in that 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 loop is get outside like get some sun in your life get off the screens and it's going to hurt and it's going to suck for a while and then find something you really like doing besides playing video games or if you're going to play video games 
at, at least, you know, I had a kid come to me years ago who literally was, his parents were like, you got to convince him to stop playing these games. And I started talking to him and they wanted him to play sports and he really didn't want to. So I, I talked to him for a while. I talked to his parents and this was way before like these gaming YouTube channels and stuff. And I said to the parents, I said, look, this kid is hooked. I mean, it's, it's a, almost impossible. He was like 13 or 14 at the time and very unathletic, hasn't really played much outside. And I said, look, I said, let's make a deal with him where he has to go outside and do some things for a certain amount of time. And then he can go play his games. But I, I, I said to him, I said, what you need to do is you need to film these and then you need to put it on YouTube and basically teach people how to play the games better. And so the parents agreed and he, he followed through. He started going outside more. He started taking better care of himself. And I got a call like six or eight months later and they're like, you would not believe this, but we're making, our kid is making like two or $300,000 a month off his YouTube channel. <laughs> this is way, this is way back. I can't even wow. remember the kid's name anymore. But, um, you know, if you are going to play games, at least monetize it, you know, so that you can at least go do some, go on vacations and go do some cool things. So that's just kind of a funny example of some of the things you get to deal with when you're a strength coach. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, you know, teaching people how to play video games is just teaching them how to sort of burn their house down. I mean, I used to play. I, I agree. I agree. But the kid was at a point where that's, that was his purpose. Right. And so you get in these sticky situations where it's like, what are you going to tell that kid to do? Like become an organic gardener, you know? That's fair. Uh, so it's like, you got this thing that you're really good at. And then he, you know, he started traveling more. He started going doing more things. He lived a more balanced life. And the deal was you're allowed to do this as long as you do X, Y, Z, instead of just taking the computer away from him and saying, you can't do this anymore at all. Right. So there's a lot of times in life that um, you kind of have to find the the middle solution that isn't necessarily the greatest, right? Like if you have somebody that's addicted to junk food, right, that won't stop eating junk food, it'd be great for just to tell them to stop eating junk food. But a really good way to deal with somebody who, like, I've had several women that are like, I can't stop eating these foods. Okay, well, let's at least eat them after you work out. Eat them after you strength train. So the rest of the time you're eating meat and vegetables and then you can have your cookies, cakes, whatever you want. You just have to have them after you strength train. So that's a really nice way to say, okay, here's how you deal with this. Um, and it works, it works really well. And that's in certain situations In other situations you have to say, no, you're on heroin. That heroin's not good for you. You probably need to stop that. Right. But mm. sometimes you have to, um, you know, like when I have somebody that comes to me that's addicted to Coke, right? They've been drinking. I had one lady who was drinking like Coca-Cola that is right. Yeah. Coca-Cola that just making sure. In it. And she was drinking like, um, four to six liters a day. So that's like three or four of the big, whatever it's two liters. I'm Canadian. So, you know, what are you going to do? Tell her to stop cold Turkey. So we switched her to diet. She did diet for, six months she lost a ton of weight and then we switched her from you know she went half diet half sparkling water and then after a year we were able to get her down to like a couple diet cokes a day as opposed to liters and 
she's like, I'm happy here. I'm happy with having two Diet Cokes a day and the rest is water. And she did really well. So sometimes you got to kind of walk people on the path, right? Yeah. And it's obviously, uh, you know, it's so interesting working with different people with different mindsets and different preparedness levels for change, you know, and that's a big part of figuring out how you're going to work with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a lot of it is so much of it comes back to them hearing the process yes. of thinking and of coaching, which is where the group coaching becomes very powerful because you'll learn the skill set that we have to really teach you of coaching yourself into the decisions you need to make in order to be well, which is worth a lot more than what most people are, um, you know, getting from a lot of the things that they're, they're putting their time and money and effort into in their health and wellness journey. You know, well, and a, lot a lot of people of are going to say the gym and they're, you know, relying on some beat down workout to keep them healthy and well. And they may, I mean, we see this over and over again, you know, that keeps them in the body composition that they want for a certain period of time, but then they come to us and they're metabolically broken and they have lots of nutritional deficiencies. You know, I just saw a lab come back yesterday on somebody's hair and their mineral ratios are, are terrible. And they have a bad pattern called a four lows pattern, which is, uh, and for people who don't know, I'm doing a hair tissue mineral analysis webinar at the end of the month with a guy named Clark Engelbert. We're going to talk about the, the science, the, the discipline, and how to get people well by looking at their minerals and balancing their minerals through the context of their hair. And there's a link for that in uh, my link tree, which should be in the description of this video. But, um, you know, his pattern is one that shows me that he's totally exhausted. And then he's got to really change both his lifestyle and how he's thinking about his life and then increase a lot of the minerals in his in his diet and take some some targeted key supplements. But, you know, the, the thing is, you know, he's the kind of person who used to be just signing up to be a medical patient of mine, uh, which obviously he is because he got some some lab testing. But the people who sign up for testing and don't follow through with coaching get the worst results. And it's because I'm not able to spend the time with them to help them understand all the different nuances. And they don't hear me going through the same problems they have with other people on a group coaching call. Yep. And that's the key is really getting to know the person, getting to know the client and, you know, not imposing my will on them, but understand the principles that I've learned over the years that get people better and helping them figure out how they can uh, basically bring some of those principles into their life. Right. Right. And, and that's uh, that takes time. And, it, and a lot of times it, it takes education. You have to educate the, the client. You just can't do that in like one session or two sessions. It has to be an evolution over time. Right. And, and I think a lot of times too, people get caught up in, well, I'm going to lose 10 or 15 pounds or I'm going to fix my blood pressure or whatever. And once they get there, they think it's over. Right. But it's not like improving your health, keeping yourself in a good place is a constant. Um, it's daily work. Is a, a custom adjustment of daily habits that's consistently done until the day the good Lord takes you from the earth mm. or the day you get burned upside up, uh, down alive on fire, which is probably what's going to happen to me. You just can't stop saying that, Jim. Just saying, it's getting to that point, unfortunately. So, anything else, Jim? Should we wrap it up? We are you? we are running a July Fourth sale on the fundamentals of wellness. We are. Um, it's true. You can go into both of our link. There's actually a link 
in the YouTube directly below here, um, directly to Fundamentals Wellness sales page. You get 10% off. Um, check that out if you want to interact with us um, on a continual basis so we can help you get yourself in a better place. Absolutely. Have yourself a great day, Dr. Stillman. Take care, everyone. Have a great day.